Welcome to the week three breakdowns of the Contender Series. I am your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMALOTN. This week, like I said, we're going over the third week of the Contender Series. And last week, not too shabby, we went three and two on the predictions, but the three fights that I got correct were the ones that I actually ended up tracking as well. Most importantly was the main event in Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi, Coming through as a plus 275 underdog is what I tracked, but he got closer up to plus 350 by fight time. So I should have waited considering the amount of love that was out there for Hardwick, uh, but I was more than happy to take the Al Sawadi side. A lot of people putting a lot of emphasis on the Cage Warriors experience of Hardwick, which was, you know, you got to take that into consideration, but Al Sawadi is a nasty mofo himself uh, trying not to swear at the beginning of these podcasts for some reason, whatever it is. Um... The one thing I quickly wanted to note is that I feel like I haven't been putting enough emphasis on terms of the size discrepancies in a lot of these matchups. And that's not the, uh, you know, be all end all of every single matchup and prediction, but we need to take that into consideration in some matchups. So like the Tom Nolan versus Bogdan Grad fight, for example, I didn't realize that Tom Nolan had such a massive advantage in terms of height and reach on Bogdan, which made it so difficult for Bogdan to close the distance. And anytime he got within that danger zone he got clipped and hurt pretty badly and obviously that didn't work out too well for him and then last week in the Eduarda Maura and Janene Silva fight you know I know Silva was going to be slightly shorter uh, but I thought that she was going to be strong enough to stop the takedowns of Maura but when I saw the size discrepancy there I was like oh crap you know Maura's far bigger than I had actually had uh, thought and then we saw it at the weigh-ins and then obviously how it played out in the fight how easily she was able to get that fight to the ground so I want to keep those things into considerations i'll still be looking to drop my podcast on sunday evenings uh, or sunday afternoon so make sure you guys check that out um this week got a little bit behind schedule had some family things to take care of this past week uh this past weekend um but uh managed to see the weigh-ins for this fight uh for this card uh you know there are some size discrepancies but it's still not swaying me too far off of actually what my predictions were whether it was the bigger guy or the smaller guy or female male um, doesn't matter. Um, but I just wanted to put that out there in terms of things that I might be overlooking uh, when I'm breaking down these fights. So weigh-ins, again, I don't put too much stock into them, but it's more so to see how these fighters size up against each other rather than how they actually look on the scale or anything like that. Um, all right. Uh, we had one fight fall off this morning for the weigh-ins. It was the, I believe it's Luciano Pereira and Felipe Dos Santos fight. So we're left with four fights on this Week 3 Contender Series card. So let's get right into the breakdowns. Well, actually, quick plug. Um, the MMA Law Castro UFC Singapore will either drop later this evening, Monday, or early Tuesday. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I'm going to be working my butt off to ensure I get that off uh, as soon as possible so I can stay on schedule. And if you're looking for PFL and Road to UFC break, breakdowns which goes down on sunday you can find that strictly on the patreon link in the description below check it out i'll have every single fight breaking down for you guys in written form in depth best prediction best prop and best hedge as well as most people get on the best bets and predictions article all right enough jabbering let's let's get right into the breakdowns first fight of the night is going to be between robbie ring and luis pajuelo this fight gives me some you know victor diaz versus kevin borges vibes which was the first fight on the first week of the contender series where we had a very uh aggressive and explosive peruvian fighter as we have in pajuelo and then we have a guy that likes to 
you know, the grapple heavy approach and looking to overwhelm his opponents on the mat, just as Robbie Ring is. Robbie is 6 0 as a professional and 7 0 as an amateur, and he's finished, I believe, the majority of his opponents. Um, actually, he's finished all of his opponents in the professional realm, including former UFC fighter Jacob Kilburn. Robert, Robbie was able to get him to the ground over and over again, and then in the second round, was finally able to lace onto that darts choke of his that he loved so much. He has a lot of different submissions up his sleeve. He's pulled off two dark strokes on the professional scene, but also has a Von Flu choke on the reg- or the amateur scene. So very crafty with his jiu-jitsu game when he gets the fight to the ground. His striking is a lot of explosive movements, but the main thing he's looking for is to get fights to the ground so that he can implement his very nasty and sneaky choke game that he has. Uh, he's still very young, and he's taken this fight on a little bit of a short notice as Pajuelo, I believe, was actually supposed to fight Tobias Harilla, a Cage Warriors veteran, but Tobias was unable to get his visa cleared and in steps Robbie Ring. The kid looks like he's ready for it, but the one flaw I'll say this uh, on his record as he hasn't really been fighting many guys with a lot of experience. Obviously, he beat Jacob Kilburn, but, you know, Kilburn, 8-6 and six record going into that fight. He's a tough out, so it was impressive that Robbie was able to finish him the way that he did, but I feel like this is going to be his toughest opponent to date in Luis Pajuelo. Pajuelo, like I said, very similar to Kevin Borges, but we have way more tape on Pajuelo than we had on Borges. Uh, Borjas, I'm sorry for <laughs> butchering that this entire time. But Pajuelo, or yeah, I guess his name is Pajuelo. Um, very aggressive, moves for heavy footwork, a lot of feints, and just throwing combinations and looking to get his opponents out of there at all times. He's very nasty from any position that he's in, and he doesn't really accept bad positions more often than not. We see him constantly working to get to the cage and then working to all fours and getting back to his feet. I've only seen one fight where a guy was able to control his back for an extended period of time, and that's where my concern comes in for him to face somebody as clean as uh, Robbie Ring. Because Robbie will be the best grappler uh, and most legitimate grappler that Pedrillo has fought to this point. So is he going to be able to deal with the nasty choke game and heavy top pressure of ring? Or will he be able to get back to his feet and get back to what he loves best, which is walking him down and, and getting his shots off? I'm going to lean ever so slightly with the ring side, and I'm not confident on taking the chalk out on him, which is roughly around that minus 160, minus 170 range, but I'm thinking violence is the way to go here. You know, if the fight doesn't go to decision, hasn't dropped yet, but if it's anything better than minus 250, I'd probably even stretch to minus 300 considering how these guys fight. That's what I would lean with more than anything. I'm expecting violence here. I'm expecting either a choke from Ring or a TKO on the flip side from Pajuelo as he stops the takedowns or continues to get back to his feet and continues to pressure Ring, who I think will eventually crumble under that pressure that Pajuelo brings to the table. So give me fight doesn't go to decision as my favorite prediction, but I'm going to go with Robbie Ring as uh, my actual prediction in terms of who I'm picking to win this fight. All right, next up, we got the women on deck here between uh, Isis Verbeek going up against Josephine Knudsen. Uh, very intriguing fight here between two women that like to strike, but I believe the advantage is on the Knudsen side here who loves to go out there and push the pressure. Optically speaking, these two women are complete opposites. Ver, uh, Verbeek likes to stay on her back uh, foot, and she does decent work with her uh, you know, combinations from the back foot. But what she looks to do is wait for her opponent to get close. She ties them up in the clinch and does some solid work with her knees and her elbows. She trains out of the team Biggie Boy Camp, Jerzinho Rosenstrike, something that she's been doing for the last several years. But she's also mixed it up at American Top Team a couple times, um, I'd say often, um, 
to try to you know really round out the rest of her game. Uh, Knutsen trains out of the All Stars gym in Sweden, uh, getting great training with a lot of great training partners. We know the Gustafsons and the Chimaevs and all the other great fighters that came out of that camp. But she's very aggressive, and I love her style. She got an opportunity on the road to UFC last season in 2022, and she came in as a minus 1300 favorite and absolutely beat her opponent from pillar to post the entire time. She's very aggressive and she's very difficult to deal with when she gets into her groove. Although she has, all, I believe, all but one of her professional wins have come by decision, she's not really, you know, a, a fighter that's, um, you know, looking to go to decision. She's very aggressive. She's always looking to get her opponents out of there, even though she's only been able to do it once. But she's very aggressive. I love her style. She never really settles for a bad position. And I think she's worth the chalk in this spot against Verbeek. They're going to both have, you know, striking as their uh, go-to. But I think that Knudsen's optics moving forward and her aggressiveness is going to be too much for Verbeek here, who uh, just doesn't make it look good enough for the judges unless she's landing a good enough amount of damage. So give me Knudsen, and I'm going to take her to win this fight by decision. Next up, we got the Welsh gangster Oban Elliott going up against Kike Brito. Very intriguing fight here between two guys that... Um, well, I'd say Elliot is the grappler. Uh, Kike has solid um, grappling of his own, but he prefers to strike for sure. Uh, we'll start off on the Elliot side, who's coming from the Cage Warrior scene. He's had two losses on the Cage Warrior scene, coming to guys like uh, Madars Flemenos, and I'm trying to recall the other fighter that he lost to as well. Um, but, you know, very solid fighters from the Cage Warrior scene. Oban trains, I believe, with uh, Jack Shore over there in uh, Wales. Uh tries to bring a similar style to his you know his striking is kind of average but he does a great job of blending in his takedowns behind his striking so he can get fights to the ground and control his opponents from that top position i actually picked against him in his last fight when he took on um ryan shelley i believe his name was uh and i thought that shelley would be able to stop some of the takedowns but also really take over in that fight by landing more damaging blows in the striking realm unfortunately he was unable to do any of that until the third round but it was already too late as oban did a good enough job of winning the first two rounds but that's where my qualm with oban comes it seems like he uh, utilizes a lot of energy and a lot of strength early in fights and starts to fall off in the latter half which is where opponents have been able to defeat him in the past his two losses have come in the second and third rounds and that's where he's going to end up finding issues here against brito who is very battle tested and fought all over the world he doesn't mind going to enemy territory, even if it means that he ends up losing decisions that he rightfully should have won. And that's what happened in his last two losses. But he's managed to put guys out clean, just as he has over his last two fights over there in Octagon and Czech Republic, where he's been able to earn a title shot and then win the title back in December with very brutal intentions as well. He opened as a plus 200 underdog that night, but he looked like a minus 600 favorite, especially the way that he was uh, controlling that fight from uh, the beginning, hurting his opponent numerous times, having a couple 10-8 rounds in there, and then eventually finishing him in the third round. He's very nasty with his striking, with his one-twos down the middle, as well as his teep kick and front kicks from, the, um, from either stance that he wants to do. He has decent enough takedown defense, but he's very active off of his back, looking for submissions, reversals, and get-ups. And I think that's going to be very crucial for him to do here against a guy like Elliot, who will likely land takedowns. But I think that as this fight goes into deeper waters, we'll see Brito start to take over with the damage. That's going to nullify the control time of Elliot, and that should allow Brito to get a very solid uh, either round three victory where he can get the finish late because he's very aggressive, uh, has very good knockout power, and he's very precise 
precise and accurate with the strikes. And I think Elliot will very much struggle with that aspect. If it's not a third round finish, I think it's going to be a decision for Brito. Regardless, I don't mind minus 160. I got minus 145 on Brito earlier as well. Uh, that's a spot that I like here. And I expect him to get a contract as well with how violent he's going to end up making this fight look. And then we move on to the main event where we got Ellie Aronov going up against Zachary Reese. Uh, I believe this is a middleweight, middleweight fight. Very intriguing fight between striker versus grappler. Now starting off on the Aronov side, he has some Greco-Roman wrestling background. I believe he was on the Israeli national team as well. And you see that exactly from his fighting style. He looks to take opponents to the ground and do severe damage from that top position. He does a great job in terms of scrambling and staying ahead of his opponent so that he always stays on top and gets that solid top control where he can rain down big elbows. He does a great job in terms of waiting for his opportunity to posture up, land big shots, and then get back to controlling. And But there's not a lot of control time or you know, not a lot of time in terms of him just focusing on control. He does a lot of solid damage, opens up submissions opportunities for himself, and ends up finishing his opponent. He's very impressive, and he's been spending the last couple of months in Las Vegas taking full advantage of Extreme Couture and all the other great gyms that Las Vegas has to offer. On the flip side, for Zachary Reese, he trains out of the uh, the Texas region. Uh, he's been a Fury FC mainstay for a while, and he's finished pretty much all of his he's finished all of his opponents, all of them coming in the first round. He He's very explosive and athletic early in fights, and he does a good job in terms of staying disciplined early, waiting for the opportunity to explode and waiting for the openings so that he can take advantage of it, hurt his opponents very badly, and then finish them quickly thereafter. My qualm with him is we've seen guys like this in the past. When they're not able to get that early finish, especially for the first time, they really start to struggle against guys that are able to put them to the grind, put them to the ringer, drag them to the ground, wear on that gas tank, take away that knockout power, and then they end up folding and crumbling. Reese is going to have to face that in the next couple of fights, even if he ends up winning this fight here against Aronov, which is why I'm actually going to lean with the Aronov side. I do have a little bit of an issue with his striking defense at times, which is why I don't have a whole big load of confidence on him here, but I feel like he can do enough in terms of closing the distance with his explosivity and his speed, getting in on the hips of uh, Reese, really pushing him and making him work, and then eventually start landing these takedowns, wearing on him, doing good work from on top, and then eventually finding a submission here reese is talented he's very gifted athletically as well don't get me wrong but we've seen these guys you know he might win here he might get an impressive finish and he might get to the ufc but i don't think he makes it that far especially in this very talent rich middleweight division but i think that the wrestling style the guy with way more tools to win this fight is going to be the right foot side give me eli aronov to win this fight by submission probably in the second or third round but that first minute two minutes three minutes is going to be a nerve-wracking moment if you have any money invested in this matchup but i'm gonna go with the underdog to cap off the night back-to-back weekends of underdogs winning the fights i can't recall who the main event of week one was but i know last week aswadi came through let's see if ellie aronov can do the same thing this weekend as well or this week um all right that's a wrap on the breakdowns appreciate the love and support i will be back within the next 24 hours dropping the uh the mma lawcast episode for ufc singapore so stay tuned for that We've got a ton of other great content dropping throughout the week and a reminder if you want pfl and road to ufc breakdowns you'll find that strictly on the patreon link in the description below appreciate all the love and support good luck this week and i'll see you guys within 24 hours i hope peace